It's an Ask LOJ edition with the best question of all. What have Danny Ainge's draft picks numbers been over the years? We do it next, plus numerous other Ask LOJ questions. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, and this is Locked On Jazz. Today, with no help from Elon Musk at all, who has ruined our tag board feature that we use to bring your tweets up and well-organize them and let me do all sorts of things so that the show is perfectly organized, well-chosen out, looked at every time, all those things are gone this morning. Thank you, Elon Musk. I'm glad to know that we've reached a level where Elon Musk can now screw up our shows. We will still get to ask LOJ, but not in as quite a beautiful fashion and well-organized as we usually do, but hopefully it'll still be fabulous. Your questions are always elite. We'll get to those. Old versus new, University of Kentucky guards Gigi Jackson. What has Danny Ainge done in the past? Plus, we'll look at last night's NBA games. It's a fun little way to look at those games. Uh, for you as well. I am David Locke, as I mentioned, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We're also on YouTube. we got a great YouTube community. Join it. Join the everydayers. We come out every day, join the show, chat amongst each other. We super appreciate you making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Thanks so much uh, for joining in. All right, let's get right. Usually we get right to the questions, but I want to get to last night. So our number one comp for Ochai Abaji all season long has been Norman Powell. And Norman Powell dropped 42 points last night in a playoff game. Maybe... Not quite sure I'm ready for to believe that Ochai Abaji's dropping 42 points in a playoff game. Norman Powell was super good last night. Boy, that would be great. 15 of 23, 7 of 12 from the three, 5 of 7 from the line, 7 free throws is a lot, 12 threes. What a great collection. He's just a fabulous player. I had a great conversation with him this year about all of the different kind of ways he's had to evolve as a player. Um over the years from being a go-to main scoring guy, even back to UCLA to the way he then, you know, was in Portland had to do one thing and was in Toronto, he did another and how that back experience um, by doing it at UCLA over three years where he, he had a bunch of different roles has been really helpful to him. He also, you know, there are certain roles he kind of admitted like he likes more. So this is another example of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are out and Norman Powell was not like crying about it when he came to the arena last night and proved his point. Pretty awesome. Warriors were great last night um, as well. Um, so that series now has definitely a different tint to it. I wanted to try to look at one thing in that series and I'm trying to, it did not pull up for me today. Um, and poor Royce O'Neal, two massive turnovers last night in that weird game that took place. Uh, I was going to try to look at another way to look at the playoff series with you, which is we talk about shot quality. Um, and Golden State and Sacramento's shot quality last night was virtually the exact same. Their QSQ was the exact same. Sacramento shoots badly. They shoot eight percentage points below their regular. 
uh, value. Golden State doesn't shoot well either, actually. Uh, four percentage points below theirs. That was a truly ugly first half of a basketball game on both sides of it. Um, the Warriors deny the rim at the best rate of any team in the NBA. And um, Sacramento got 18 shots at the rim last night. What I wanted to look at was past games in this series and whether and how it's different. So if we go back to game one, Sacramento's QSQ for game one was 52.5. So that's quantified shot quality. That's If all the average players had taken their shots, they would have been at a 52.5. Last night, Sacramento's shot quality was at 52.3. To me, that's super interesting. That means that they're still getting pretty much the exact same quality shots in the third game of a playoff series than they got in the first, which is a little unusual. Usually you start to get less good shots as the series goes on. Golden State was at a 51.0 in game one, and last night Golden State was at a 51.7. So that was surprising. They're about the same except for no Draymond. And Draymond's supposed to be getting you better shots than you'd be getting otherwise. So um, I thought that was, those two numbers kind of jumped out at me a little bit as something of, that I thought had some relevance to where the where the series is going, that Sacramento loses last night. They shoot badly. It's on the road. Golden State's probably picked up the ante a little bit. Um, but it wasn't as though it was suddenly, you know, that, Golden, that they're getting much less good shots in a manner um, they didn't get. Uh, in game one, Though Sacramento took 27 shots at the rim. And as I mentioned last night, they're down to 18. So there's that's actually even more interesting is that they're getting good shot quality, but they're getting they're they're able to do it um without getting as many rim shots. So um anyway, uh just wanted to give that game two, unfortunately, I couldn't get the data to pull up today, so that's a little bit just in all transparency. All right, I got a great question this week on what were Danny Ainge's numbers while drafting. Uh we did this number all week long, every day as you're aware of it. We've done this kind of different look at um, athleticism, playmaking, shooting, and creation based on their analytic, the draft prospects analytics. It's been the week-long theme. We'll actually start maybe watching players um, next week, and we'll talk to Leaf Tulene on Tuesday's show to have uh, a look at what he thinks of the numbers and where they might be accurate or flawed. Um, <laughs> Richard Stamen yesterday had locked on NBA Big Board. It was interesting. He had a bunch of our guys really much higher on his big board than than we did Taylor Hawkins who on the big board or Hendricks who I had on 17th on the big board he had really high he loved Grady Dick who he had in the top 10 he had both those guys in the top 10 neither of them both of them hovering right around Utah uh Hendricks not getting to Utah at nine um so interesting to see I do think this is going to be the story the next month and a half is two months is how much this draft board changes on a regular basis um around this so I got asked, what did Dan- great question, what are Danny Ainge's draft picks? And I was able to get all of Ainge's picks back to the only one I didn't get that I wanted was Terry Rozier. And I, I'm actually a little surprised I didn't. Well, I'm still going to try to see if I got Terry Rozier. Oh, I finally got the data on that I wanted on the other game. And Sacramento's QSQ in game two, interesting, was 53.5. So they got better shots um, in that game and they've just regressed in between. Okay, back to focus. Um, so here's what was really interesting about Ainge's, the Ainge draft. The two players that came out the worst on the numbers, and you can use this maybe to decide you don't like the numbers as much if you'd like to. The two players that came out the worst on the numbers that he drafted were Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Now, Jalen Brown, everyone knew, at the time everyone knew, did not have a particularly good um 
college year. And the third pick was not controversial, but it was, there were people that just did not see it. Um, And so to definitely to the credit of um, Danny Ainge, and he was able to pull that one off. Um, So here's the interesting notes on this. So Jason Tatum was in the 60th percentile in athletic, in transition. Jalen Brown was in 66, so neither of them were wow. Tatum was 69% in isolation, which is pretty high on 115 attempts. That would have probably been a big plus. And was in the 67th percentile on rim. So nothing bad, but he didn't peak. Jalen Brown was in the 34th percentile in isolation on 69 attempts, which is a lot. And then his rim shooting was only in the 50th percentile. So he would not have peaked. Neither of them were great pick and roll handlers. Um, neither did it a lot. Jason only ran 22 pick and rolls his entire senior year. Jalen Brown only ran 73. Uh, uh, Tatum was in the 36th percentile. Brown was in the 49th. Um, interestingly enough, as Tatum was a pick and roll man a few times, both of them shot the same. 43rd percentile and spot up, so nothing impressive. Catch and shoot, Brown was close to being a, a threshold player. He was at 35 percentile in catch and shoot. Tatum was at the 56th percentile unguarded Jalen's a little bit better and then off the bounce Jalen was flat bad 29th percentile and off the bounce dribble uh, shooting 16 of 54 he actually would have been a threshold player so Jalen Brown really came out poorly in the numbers he would be one of the exceptions if we go back to 2016 my numbers have only gone back to 2019 on this Jason Tatum 20 is just okay here are some of the other picks that Danny had that are interesting and they all of them peak out somewhere like, they don't peak out universally, but they all peak out somewhere. So Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard in 2020. Peyton Pritchard was one of our green players. Peyton Pritchard was 81st percentile in transition with 123 attempts. He was 70th percentile in isolation. He wasn't great. He was fine at the rim. He was an 89th percentile pick-and-roll player. He was 93rd percentile in spot-up shooting. He was, um, he was 92nd percentile in catch-and-shoot. And off the bounce, he was in the 79th percentile. And Peyton Pritchard's as good a numbers player as come across. Neesmith was also in the 90th percentile in transition, even though it was only 50 attempts. He was in the 97th percentile in isolation, only in the 12th attempts. He was a terrible pick-and-roll player, 6th percentile on 16 attempts. So, And he is still not a pick-and-roll player. He was in the 95th percentile in spot-up, the 99th percentile in catch-and-shoot. 100th percentile in unguarded catch-and-shoot. So he's the best unguarded catch-and-shoot player, and 84th percentile off the bounce. So those were really good numbers. Romeo Langford, who he drafted in 2019, was under the threshold in transition and athleticism. Um, he was all right at rim percentage, 68% on 154 shots. Um, and his isolation numbers are fine, but his overall transition athleticism was 29%. But pick-and-roll ball handling, he was in the 90th percentile, so another major threat, you know, elite level. Spot-up shooting, he was only in the 41st percentile. Catch-and-shoot unguarded only in the 33rd, but then back up to 61st in jumper. Um, so that's a good one. Grant Williams, 53rd percentile in transition, so nothing elite. But his isolation percentage in 62 attempts, elite 94%. His, ice, his scoring at the rim, 90th percentile, elite. Um, he was a pick-and-roll man. It was fine. And then his shooting was was average, which was good for a big man. 54 percentile, 55 in catch and shoot. And his off-the-bounce shooting was pretty elite. It was 77 percentile. So here you look at the last four picks Danny made, Neesmith, Pritchard, Langford, Williams. All of them have some sort of elite something. Robert Williams was elite in transition and elite at the rim because he's seven feet. 
Um, we could not shoot. Okay. And then Tatum, we talked about. Semi Ojale, who Danny uh, drafted, again, elite, 77th percentile transition, 97th percentile isolation, um, 58th percentile to rims, not great. Pick and roll man, he was in the 82nd percentile. Spot up shooting, Semi Ojale was in the 74th percentile. And on catch and shoot, he was in the 88th. So every single one of these guys Danny's drafting that were American players were in the complete elite level player there. Um, that were there. I'm going to look see if I can find Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart for you uh, and see if we can knock those out of the park, uh, look at those as well. But this entry, it gives us a little bit of a perspective of like what players we should be looking at that the Jazz might take if Danny's consistent um, in this when he drafts with the Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have been in business for over 80 years in Utah, taking care of you. And the Hyundais have the most bells, the most whistles, and all the most details for the most bang for your buck you can possibly get. I always say you got to decide whether you believe the car looks good and it's what you want to drive. And I think the new Tucson looks amazing. The new Santa Fe looks great as well. But I can tell you this, you should at least test drive it and take a look at the Hyundai cars because you will get the most bang for your buck and your dollars. I love the story about the woman I work out who was always driving her Palisade except for when her husband steals it because he left the RR in the uh, driveway because he likes this car better but doesn't have the status of the RR. So, always love those. It's Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, Logan and Linden. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so we can take care of you, give you the locked on VIP treatment that you every dayers deserve. Time now also to talk to you about eBay Motors. eBay Motors, the right parts, the right fit, the right price at eBay Motors. I love this feature that eBay has that gives you, well, like our draft picks, green, little highlighted with green. It's the eBay guaranteed fit. You can make sure that every part you need fits right. I mean, they have over 122 million parts to choose from, so you get back in the game in no time. But they, you put in your your ride into the system, and then it gives you the confidence you need because it gets a green mark on all of the products that match your car. So it's easy to bring home the win with the right parts because they're guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices. It's all at ebaymotors.com. So it's ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's eBay Motors. Oh, didn't mean to do that. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Tip of the hat to all the everydayers out there who join us. Uh, each and every day being a part of this program. We are five days a week for you. We're here to be a little regular part of your day to get into a habit of listening to us. So thank you very much for doing that. All right, here are some numbers on Terry Rozier out of Louisville. In transition, he was in the 55th percentile, so not elite. In isolation plays, he was in the 64th percentile on 49 attempts, which is a lot. On... uh, His spot-up shooting, he was in the 72nd percentile, which is good, not incredible. In his catch-and-shoot game, he was in the 46th percentile and unguarded in the 29th. And his off-the-bounce shooting was 57th. So super interesting that he was not... Here's a draft pick that doesn't follow. And really, frankly, what's interesting about the Danny Ainge picks is that the ones that have been maybe the most successful are the ones, because Terry Rozier's had a nice career. I don't love his efficiency and some things like that, but that was a pretty darn good pick. Um, 
is that those they have been the ones that maybe have been the most successful is the Tatum, Brown, Rozier on the list of guys, whereas the others all had some max out. Here's Marcus Smart for you. He was 57th percentile in transition, so nothing nothing that would wow you. His isolation game was in the 37th percentile, not surprising. He wasn't a great offensive player. And then his spot-up shooting was, his pick-and-roll was in the 74th percentile, so that's interesting. That's pretty high. Um for there, his spot up shooting was in the 19th percentile, below the threshold of whether Marcus Smart would be able to shoot in the NBA. He's gotten better and better and better. His catch and shoot was in the 30th. His unguarded was okay. The one thing that was interesting on Smart is dribble handoff. His dribble jumper game was in the 67th percentile. But so Ainge's numbers. This was a great question to lead us off today. Ainge's numbers really, really interesting. That you end up with the three or four best guys he drafted have not had great numbers. The most recent num- guys he drafted all have had great numbers. All have had something in there that make him in the 90th percentile. Um, so we'll get, all right, let's get to some of your questions. Uh, Jazz times Jones wanted to know how Ochai Abaji came out a year ago. Um, so here's Ochai Abaji a year ago. He was in the 75th percentile in transition. So pretty elite, 154 attempts, a ton. He was only in the 16th percentile on isolation game. Kind of makes sense. We haven't seen any isolation out of him. Only eight attempts, too. Um, he was in the 62nd percentile. He was only in the 20, uh, uh, I didn't have rim numbers. He was in the 62nd percentile on pick and roll handling, which is higher than you would have probably assumed. So he showed some ability to handle. He was in the 83rd percentile, elite, greened, greened him there, on spot-up shooting. 89th percentile on overall catch and shoot. So elite, elite right there. He made 67 of 159. And then on his off the bounce shooting, he was only in the 31st percentile, 27 of 101. It actually matches a little bit to who he was as a player and we're watching him develop the off the bounce game. Um, But transition, pretty elite. Doesn't have an isolation game yet. So that actually matches a lot to what we, um, what we thought. Um, uh, Jazz Times Jones also knows Cam Thomas on the Nets needs minutes and coaching can, but he can score. Utah take a swing on him and try to make him a complete player. He was not a complete player at Auburn either. If that's I think I mean his shots to assists and shots to passes is is a crazy number at Auburn. Also, so you'd have to really figure out whether he's, he's got to be a willing participant, and that's the question on him. You don't know. Uh, from Jay Preston thirty four, how were the underclassmen stats that you looked at this week? Uh, gave a green rating. Age. Uh, do as freshmen and sophomores. So uh, Strothworth is really, if we go back and look, our greens, our number greens this week, and you can go back throughout the week and listen if you missed it, were Brandon Miller, freshman, Grady Dick, freshman, Bryce Sensbaugh is a freshman, um, Julian uh, Strother is a junior at Gonzaga, um, our light greens were Jordan Hawkins, sophomore, UConn, Taylor Hendricks, freshman, UCF, and then uh, our older, kind of our sleeper pick was Isaiah Wong, who's a junior. Um, So the question you're asking is if I went and looked up, really it's only two players um, that we had that were upperclassmen. That's what's interesting on this. The one theory is that the guys were older, right? And so that's caused so many players to have bad numbers. I, I honestly just think this might not be a very good draft. Like that's where I'm sitting right now. It might be particularly young or something, but it doesn't seem to be that maybe it's a great draft um, overall. So if we, let's pull that. It's a great question because obviously what you want to know is how did 19-year-olds do against um, 19-year-olds. 
So if we look at Julian uh, Strother as a freshman, so I've got his freshman year. In transition, he's in the 76th percentile, so still pretty good. His um, pick and roll ball handling, he only ran 13 all year. He was bad. His spot up was in the 86th percentile, elite shooting. Um, His catch and shoot was in the 57th percentile, so not great, but not very many, only 26. He did not play a great deal. And then his dribble off the jumper, he only took three the whole year. So if we we then go to his 21-22 season, um, where he plays 334 possessions, um, he's just a great half-court player. He's in the 97th percentile in all half-court offense. His transition's in the 74th percentile, so that holds. His spot-up was, or his pick-and-roll ball handling, now he gets 29 attempts. He's in the 93rd percentile. Um, his spot-up is at the 65th percentile. His catch-and-shoot jumps him to 75th percentile, so he, his unguarded was in the 80th, and his dribble off the bounce, he only had 16 all year, and then you jump to him this year, and he's in the 84th percentile transition, um, 45th percentile at the rim, 77th percentile in pick and rolls, 97th percentile in spot up, 93rd percentile in catch and shoot, uh, 71st percentile in dribble off the bounce, where he now has 43 of them, so that's developing a little bit. Um, we'll talk to Tuesday, that will be one of the major players we talked to um, uh, Leaf Tulin about, but I think he said he's got a funky little release um, and it's a little slower in some of the stuff he does, so that's why some of those numbers might not be as prominent. Isaiah Wong, who actually spent four years, um, he's only a junior, but spent four years uh, at Miami. If we go back to two years ago, so not last year, two years ago, in transition, he's still in the 86th percentile, so he peaks out, um, still holds that elite level isolation number. His isolation number is in the 93rd percentile, so he peaks out on the athletic numbers again. His spot-up shooting is in the 31st percentile, which is not great. Um, His uh, catch-and-shoot numbers are in the 22nd percentile two years ago. His pick-and-roll number, though, goes to the 81st percentile. And then his creation number, his off-the-bounce dribbling, was actually really good. He was Two years ago, he was in the 83rd percentile. Um, If you want to back up one more year and go back to Isaiah Wong and his sophomore, which was his second year... um, we get his transition still in the 93rd percentile. His isolation to check his athleticism is in the 50th percentile, so a little less. If we want to look at his playmaking, his pick and roll is still in the 88th percentile. I mean, this guy, this is a really interesting prospect to me, numbers-wise, as we just look. I've never watched him play a minute. Um, I don't even know size and, and things. If we look at him as a shooter on spot-ups, he's in the 54th percent, 51st percentile catch-and-shoot, 57 off the dribble, 68th. If we look at him this year... Elite transition finishing, 87th percentile. Pretty good isolation, 79th percentile. Pick and roll, he's actually now good. 191, he's actually 81st percentile. Oh, he's been good the whole time. His spot up is now 74th percentile, 78 catch and shoot. Um, unguarded 81st, and then his dribble off the jumper is 79th. I mean, his numbers are just terrific, and they have been for three years um, on, on all accounts there. Um, so really, really impressive. In fact, Isaiah Wong is our Nissan Aria Electric Player of the Week. That's right. As we review the draft prospects and look at different players, we'll be naming each player to the least Nissan Electric Player of the Week. And that this week, it is our guy, Isaiah Wong, out of Miami, Florida. He is our numbers 
sleeper out there. Is he brilliantly fierce like the Nissan Aria? Is he fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, or fl- elegantly powerful? I don't know. We'll have to check and watch him on film. But the Nissan Aria is, and you can check it out at NissanUSA.com. The all-new 2023 all-electric Nissan Aria is the uh, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, and elegantly powerful. Delivers on duality, combination of fierceness and elegant. Beautiful and strong. It is the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power, premium intelligence, all-in-one EV, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. If you are a NFL fan, we've released our NFL mock draft. It is just outstanding. Truly, truly outstanding. Um, So if you get a chance, it's on YouTube as a video show. It's great. It's a binge. It's six episodes. It's out on Locked on NFL Draft, Locked on NFL, Locked on NFL Scouting, Peacock and Williamson. So it's there for you on all of them. Um, Paul Salati, wonder what would happen if you share these with the top brass office, Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge. What do you think they would say? Oh, they would think I'm insane, stupid, ridiculous. Tell me to watch players and totally mock the last week of shows. 100%. I talked to Danny this week. He was perfectly nice and polite. He hadn't clearly listened to this garbage that I've been spouting out there about players convincing people that certain players are good solely based on numbers, having never watched them for one second. It's an insane system. Uh, How surprised are you the Kings put it together this year? What do you attribute their turnaround to? It's a great question. Um, I really think Kevin Herter's great. Um, I think Kevin Herter just kind of holds that whole thing together, gives him another option to play the dribble handoff game, Allows him to, to Sabonis to do what he does. Uh, obviously, De'Aaron Fox took the jump. They made the decision. It was his team, not Tyrese Halliburton's. And that he and Sabonis um, could play together. And then I think they've just done a nice job of adding high-level athletic. Monty Morris did a nice job of adding high-level talent to their bench. Like, Malik Monk's good. Like, I mean, good. Um is the ninth pick of a draft at one point in time. Like, he's a good player. He had a bad night last night. Davion Mitchell probably wasn't the greatest draft pick in the world, but he's, you know, he's athletic and energetic, and he has a role, and he does his stuff. Like, they, they're, particularly for the regular season, they're really thin right now, though, I think. The only thing I watched last night that jumped out to me was, like, I mean, Terrence Davis probably shouldn't be playing. He had a really bad night last night. Um, and Trey Lyles cannot seem to play in this playoff series. Like, the difference between what their regular season guys are and their playoff guys are high. Like, Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles really having a hard time playing in the playoffs. Like, that's a different level. Um, the same way Jordan Poole does, frankly. Jordan Poole, 4 of 13 last night, was not great, and they had to play him. Um, but on a night where all the other starters played 35, he played 28. I think that's telling. I love, one of the things I think is so interesting about the playoffs is who plays and who doesn't. Like, it's really eye-opening on who plays and who doesn't. Like, the fact that, you know, Phoenix is rolling Booker out for 45 minutes last night, and Durant for 41, and Chris Paul for 41 on a Clipper team without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and holding on to win is, like, pretty out there right now. They were just short guy. You know, they played everyone. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing to kind of look at who plays and who doesn't. It tells you an awful lot about kind of what players can and can't do in the playoffs and where players get kind of um, exposed. The DeAnthony Melton guarding... Uh, Mikel Bridges late in the game last night, instead of having, with James Harden being ejected, was sure interesting um, in that game. Um, 
Seems though through multiple coaches, owners, and GMs, the Jazz have great at player development. Uh, head coach seems to get a lot of credit, but seems like there may be behind the scenes and getting more players developed. Uh, what makes the Jazz always great at it? Um, so I think a lot of it, first thing I'll say is like, if you go back to Stockton Maloney or like, you're just trying to find players who can fit into specific molds. And so some of it has to do with your plan. We've always had a few really good players and having really, really good players allows other players to assimilate next to them. Right. And then they don't always go somewhere else and play well. So I think that's a little bit of it. Um, the second one I would, um, I mean, it might be what you have to do in this market is you have to develop players because you're not signing free agents. Um, and then the third one is that, you know, at least recently with Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder and now with Justin Zanuck and Will Hardy um, is just a real focus on player development. Like you have guys, you're developing, you're working. I mean, it was just very, everything this year was very intentional with Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji and, and Taylor Horton Tucker and how we brought them across. Uh, Ed Broski says, I really liked watching Caden Wallace in the tournament. It feels like Kentucky guards always outperform their draft slot. Fox, Booker, SGA, have you of the numbers previously assessed Kentucky guards and have they predicted success? That is a fabulous question. Let's take a quick look. So in 2019, Tyler Hero peaked out on our numbers. Uh, in 2020, I don't, Shay, I think is 2018. I don't think there was a Kentucky guard in 2020 that uh, fit the Tyrese Maxey. Um, and he, so Tyrese Maxey was 84th percentile in transition, but only 25th percentile on isolation. He was 86th percentile on pick and roll ball handler with the highest pick and roll score rate, which is actually a really important number because it tells you that he's able to get to the rim and score. Um, his spot up shooting was in the 47th percentile. His overall catch and shoot was in the 29th, which made me super nervous about him. And his off the bounce dribble is in the 53rd percentile. So he did not peek out on the numbers. The athleticism was there and the pick and roll score number was there. His shooting was all kind of distinctly average across the board um, on that. 2021, I don't, believe it or not, I don't think there was a Kentucky, Isaiah Jackson, Brandon Boston. I didn't do Brandon Boston. 2020, so I have to back up. It's a great question. We should back up and do... um, uh, I'll, I'll back up and do, who do you mention? Shea is worth doing. He was great. Um, Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox. <clears throat> well, Fox, I think, was third pick of the draft. Um, I'll see if I can back up. I do remember Devin Booker ran 11 pick and rolls the entire year. No, like three pick and rolls the entire year. So sometimes the hard thing on that is trying to figure out how you judge them. Uh, who do you fight against? How do you fight against your own bias, whether it's recency, racial, gender, religious, or anything else? Um, so... I actually, this is where the numbers are great. Um, I have had numerous players over the years who I've run the numbers on and they turned out to be one color or the other and I had no idea. I mean, I literally have never watched any of these players. Um, You specifically ask about Grady Dick. You know, I didn't know Grady Dick was white, I think, until I pulled a a picture of him for one of our things recently. Um, So this is actually 100% how I protect against my bias. Like... I know not a thing about Dylan Mitchell. I could tell you nothing about Dylan Mitchell other than he's 6'8", went to Texas, he's 205 pounds, he's in the 85th percentile in transition, 98th percentile at rim, he didn't run any pick and rolls, he played as a big, and he can't. He couldn't shoot. He was in the 17th percentile in spot-up shooting, 
and he didn't take any off-the-bounce shots. I know nothing else about him. I, I don't know a single thing about Julian Strother who we, and what he looks like other than 6'7", 205, and all the numbers we just had um, a minute ago. Jet Howard, I know a little bit about because I know what his dad looks like because his dad's Juwan Howard, and that's it. And I'm guessing Chris Murray looks a little bit like Keegan Murray since they're brothers. And that's, and I've seen Victor Webanyama, but I couldn't pick any of these other guys out of a lineup if my life depended on it. So in regards to that, I think your bias is going to show, my biases will show up when I go watch them play now. Um, But at this moment, I think there's almost no bias. Um, uh, There's a couple of prospects I'm curious about on numbers. Sidey Cisco, uh, who's a G League guy, and G League Ignite, and Gigi Jackson. Um, Leaf Tulin did a really good show with Rafael Barlow at NBA Big Board trying to push Gigi Jackson. All right, City Siasco from the G League Ignite. He's in the 65th percentile in transition. He's in the 9th percentile in 25 isolations. These are G League numbers, remember. He's in the 37th percentile as rim finishing, much harder in the G League. 31st percentile in pick and roll. 35th percentile on pick and roll score. I'm going to go back to pick and roll score in a minute to wrap it up. Spot up, he's in the 61st percentile. Catch and shoot, he's in the 45th, so he's average. Um, his off the bounce dribble, he was 17 of 73 in the 10th percentile. <coughs> so those are not great numbers. Uh, GG Jackson, Gregory Jackson out of South Carolina, 6'9, 210. He was in the 20th percentile. He's below the threshold on transition. He's in the 15th percentile on isolation. So athletically, he gets out of 100 isolation attempts, which is a huge number. He gets some really low athletic numbers in 45th percentile on rim percentage. Pick and roll ball handling at 6'9", 210. Sure is exciting. He's at 97 of them at 54%. So average. His shooting was in the 43rd percentile, 52nd percentile catch and shoot, 50th percentile unguarded, and then his off-the-bounce shooting was in the 38th percentile. None of that excites me. Somebody said Tony Jones loves this draft, and I hate it. Okay, I just look at the numbers. I don't have any idea. The numbers do not like this draft. All right, uh, by the way, who are the highest, because we had that number on Tyrese Maxey, so I think you were probably asking, who are the highest pick-and-roll score guys? Uh, over 40% is real. Cason Wallace out of Kentucky. Anthony Black, 42% Arkansas. 43% Grady Dick, that's the highest. Oh, no, it's not. Trey Alexander, 45% on 146. Um, Leonard Miller, 43%. Julian Strother at 41%. Kobe Bufkin, Jalen Wilson at 40 41%. Colby Jones is out of Xavier, the junior guard, 6'6", 205 on 123 is at 46%. So that's a pretty good number. Marcus Sasser, Houston was over 40% as well. You go over 40%, you're scoring a lot on your pick and roll. All right, let's do it. There was a guy who texted me the other day. This is not real, by the way. We don't do the real lottery on the show. He thought we got the number two pick. He was all excited and realized this was fake. Okay, we don't. This Ours doesn't actually count. Here it is, the lottery for the day. We had our luck yesterday. The pick, Orlando goes to number one. Detroit, Victor Webanyama and Paulo together. Detroit, two. Chicago, three. And they get to hold their pick up eight spots. That's bad for us. Washington, four. Houston slides. 22 wins gets the fifth pick. San Antonio, 22 wins gets the sixth pick. Charlotte, 27th wins gets the seventh pick. Portland does all that tanking for the eighth pick. Indiana, nine. We slide to 10. Dallas slides to 11 and loses their pick to New York. Here's your question of the day. Do you hate the Mavericks enough that you're willing to slide to 10 to get them to 11 so they lose their pick? Have a great day. That's petty. See you. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday.